Where do you go for comics new and old? Uh, garage sales? Wrong! Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? Uh, in magazines, mostly. Wrong again! And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Well, there are lots of different options if you're looking for something... <laughs> so incredibly wrong! Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. Meet comics legend Stan Lee and Walking Dead stars Lenny James and Michael Cudlitz September 22nd through the 24th in Madison, Wisconsin. Then meet Constantine star Matt Ryan and Lord of the Rings Spartacus star Craig Parker October 13th through the 15th in Biloxi, Mississippi. Other shows include Montgomery, Alabama October 20th through the 22nd, Oklahoma City October 27th through the 29th, and Springfield, Illinois November 10th through the 12th. Is that all? Don't interrupt me. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CANDAIR at checkout. Lowercase no space. (laughs) To get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? The, The internet? Oh, good answer. Really? No! Wizard World Comic Con! Go to wizardworld.com for tickets. Well, hello out there, everybody. This is Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, too. And uh, also some guy named Jim Cummings. You're not going to believe this, but you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Good job. Keep it up. And welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today from HotcakesComics.com, Jordan Kirian. Thanks so much for being with us today, Jordan. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. We've got a good show lined up for you today, folks. I'm uh, kind of excited about it. I don't know why I disagree, but (laughs) I hope not. For no reason in particular, (laughs) I agree with you. But uh, we're going to start with the Rich for Roundtable, talking about Alan Moore. I mean, what... How much this guy has contributed to pop culture and just what we love and know today is that's a pretty heavy icebreaker. It really is, yeah. So jumping right in on that one, yeah. (laughs) Then in the comic vault, we're going to be talking about some comics. What do you got there, Jake? I've got something I am super jazzed to talk about: the Hellraiser masterpieces collection. Oh boy! (laughs) (laughs) Knows anything my boy loves? It's Hellraiser. Well documented. (laughs) I think at least every other episode I bring it up. So pretty sure you're right on that. One of the books we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Jordan and talk about Hot Cakes Comics. But before we do that, Jake. Well, I would be remiss, ladies and gentlemen, if I didn't tell you to follow us on all of our social networking outlets. You can find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Also have a look at our YouTube page full of fun treats and more on the way. Uh, If you're planning on attending a Wizard World convention in the near future, say Madison, for instance, be sure to fire off promo code CannedAir, lowercase no space, for a quick Cool, 10% off your tickets. Can't go wrong there. Uh, let's see, am I missing anything? 
I don't think so. No. You're right. very thorough. Well, you know, thorough's my middle name. Jake Thorough Run. I'm trying to mix up my catchphrases a little bit. I feel like it's getting <laughs> stale, but so far nothing's sticking. Okay. We'll keep trying. I don't know. <laughs> Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Show me what you got. <laughs> what you got? Not cool. Disqualified. All right, guys. Alan Moore. I'm going to throw it out there. Alan Moore's a hack, and I think he's overrated. (laughs) No, no. Where Uh, do we begin? Obviously. Ah, Dude, can we start with the fact, just like surface thoughts here, that he dresses like a sorcerer. Does he? I mean, he's got the beard and the hair and everything. Yeah, he looks like a druid who, like, just walked out of some obsidian portal or something. Uh, It's like you need to kill a goat for him to show up. Let me back that up. Um, two years ago for Halloween, I dressed up as him. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I, were, I was working at a comic book store at the time. So I thought, it's now or never. And sure. I've, I've already got the beard. So I had to wear ten rings. I could barely even close my <laughs> fist. So, yeah, he's it's something else. That is commitment. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me, I guess the best thing I probably know is the killing joke. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a obviously a great story. I'm it's not a good, saying I anything like prolific there. That's the entry point for a lot of people who aren't necessarily aware of Alan Moore or sure. sort of his weirder, more experimental stuff. And that's the stuff I have to get into. When we had decided we were going to do this, I went to the library and I thought, okay, I'm going to get from hell. I've always wanted to read sure. that. And when I picked it up, it was thicker than the Bible. So I was like, well, I don't got that kind of time. Let's maybe pump the brakes on this. <laughs> I think I I'm still going to read it, but go ahead. About From Hell, um, I think that a lot of people think that that's uh, on the same level as Watchmen. And I think depending on the day, it might be better than Watchmen. No kidding. Really? Well, so I, and, and you do have to take into consideration that I've read like probably half of his entire works – and so Watchmen is kind of, like, really exposed, whereas From Hell, like, nobody really talks about it. So I, I don't know. Watchmen's kind of done for me, which it's really great, but I, I've already talked about it a lot. And then people are like, oh, I want to read From Hell. I'm like, oh, you absolutely should. So that's a good depending point, on your yeah. mood. Because I think Watchmen's hit that, like, required reading status. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you absolutely. you don't get, like, who's yeah. still talking about, like, oh, man, when I read The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. It's like, it's a sixth grade reading I'm sure you could find the right person. Well, yeah. <laughs> College campus, maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right, let me, let, me, let me back myself up a little here. I'm about to say something vaguely negative about Sir Alan Moore here. All right, watch it, buddy. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm on thin ice, but... I think he's a genius, and I don't say that the way, you know, like people will describe, like, oh, fashion genius. I mean, like a literal writing genius. Right. I also think he's aware of it, and Yeah, that's a fucking problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's definitely bought, uh, somewhere along the line, he definitely bought into his own hype. Uh, yeah. It's clear to see, so. Which I totally get. If I were in his shoes, I would be... Insufferable. I'd be the I wonder worst about that. Human. You know, like how susceptible one is to the fame yeah. that comes with something like that. You know, like some people, I would imagine it totally envelops and just totally changes their personality, the way they look at other people. And some people are unmoved. Yeah. You've got your Alan Moores and you've got your Keanu Reeves. <laughs> didn't really change him. He's just whatever like he is. Alan Moore, 
he also has a different perception of reality. I don't know how much you guys like have read about him, but he's like he really is into like the magic stuff and like yes, God. So I, am, I think yeah. it's yeah, his reality is different I, than I ours. swear I read on Wikipedia like he and I could be butchering this, but along the lines of those magic things, he was making some kind of like future predictions or something. Ooh, am I wrong me. about that? I'm, I've not heard that. I, I'm okay. I'm butchering it. Then you guys continue to talk. I, I'm going to pull that up online. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of things he's probably done that I've not heard of, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. And you know, I I don't know what I believe in, but if reincarnation is a thing that happens in this reality, I I guarantee you, Alan Moore is like the returned spirit of Aleister Crowley or something like that. Well, he's definitely. just the inheritor of that throne. I guess I you'd call right. him yeah. the second wickedest man on Earth. Mm. But yeah, it's just everything about him. And, you know, I remember um, it, it's driving me insane because I had to look up the name of this comic six or seven times today because some eldritch force keeps pulling it out of my memory. What's the one he did where it's it's the woman, she has a very Greek, heroic-sounding name? Promethea? Thank you. Good yeah. lord. That was driving me nuts. I swear. Yeah. Anyway, in Promethea, I, I remember just scanning through a couple of pages and she's combating some force of demons and devils and there are all these horrible hybrid monsters in the back that perfectly correspond to their various mutant forms in like the lesser key of Solomon and all of these old weird occult texts you know it's like this is a guy who's so deeply entrenched with that world that you can't even call it a cult anymore I feel like there's no secret that is still secret to Alan Moore at this point <laughs> He understands the secrets of the universe. I know, and I, I love that. I love that there is at least one um, dark scholar left in the world. Yeah. No, it's not just a fantasy trope. Here he is. Here's the cultist. If things ever start getting otherworldly, we know where to turn first. Probably his fault. Uh, more recent stuff from the last couple of years are all are they're all like that, but darker. Like they're all basically Lovecraft stuff, like inspired stuff, um, like uh, Neonomicon, I think. Oh. Is his newest work? I haven't read that. It well, it just got uh, maybe it's not Neonomicon. There's something that just got Providence. Providence just got published mm. last year, and it's it's very occult. Nice. Okay, so I, I found what I was talking about, and boy, was I way off. No predictions. <laughs> no predictions. But but he claims that where his uh, love for magic and all that stuff kind of came from was from one of his own lines in From Hell. In a balloon, it says, the one place gods inarguably exist is in the human mind. Oh, boy. After I wrote that, I realized I'd accidentally made a true statement, and now I'd have to rearrange my entire life around it. Oh, that man. That yeah. is the kind of revelation only an Alan Moore can have. Sure. <laughs> it's really true. It's admitting true. to that phrase as a true statement, like gods exist in the minds of man, what he's telling us right now is like, oh, yeah, my brain creates all kinds of deific forces. You know, he's right. just totally at peace with the idea that he's some over god creating gods within it. Uh, it well, I, I mean, I don't necessarily think he's referring to himself just in general. Like, oh, sure. The only gods that really exist, you know, are the ones we make up. And if I firmly believed any of that was possible, that I could have a promising career as like a necromancer or something. I'll be honest, man. I like this podcast, but you wouldn't see me again. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like sending your like pro projected form yeah, to the show projected. every week. <laughs> hey, man, I can't make it tonight. Um, there's a symposium, Revenancers Anonymous. <laughs> My aura will be attending, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, let's see, we've 
we've uh, we've got him on e-meter tonight. Can we get some uh, some feedback? I don't know how to mic that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I am coming to you through direct telekinesis, brought to you by GarageBand. Uh, check us out on Society6.com. Okay, I got to touch back on Killing Joke a little bit again. Sure. I know it's the uh, the amateurs' exposure to Alan Moore, but it's the, again it's no less important for it. It's true. Uh, did you guys watch the movie that came out? Oh, I yeah. did. <laughs> uh, well. Jordan just told me what he thought of it. What about you, Jake? Um, I'd have enjoyed it more if I didn't love the comics so much, I think. If it was my first exposure. Well, the problem like, oh, that's cool. with the movie, I think, it was obvi- the, the graphic novel, though great, wasn't enough to fill the time they needed right. to make a movie. So they put in the whole pre-story of Batgirl, you know, leading up to the beginning of The Killing Joke. And the part that I hate the worst, that I just want to claw my ears and eyes out, is when they gave the Joker a dancing medley number. It was like a whole musical number. I don't know. It just seemed really forced. I'm not sure what the impetus was for that. And I feel like it would have translated much better to, like, a comic book. When you're piecing that scene together in your mind, if you were just reading and looking at that sequence of events, you could be like, okay, I can see how we do this. And you'd assemble it in some way that didn't... Like that wasn't jarring, but you know, it's just happening on screen like that. The way it was, it, it what, just what it, it felt to me like a like a misuse of resources. Like here, they've got Mark Hamill, the Joker, as right. the Joker in the comic about the Joker. Right? You're gonna have him sing? Come on, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> it's a little much. Yeah. And just that whole intro story with the the Salvador, whatever the dude's name, the French gangster guy who was. Toying with Batgirl, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of ended up later not really amounting right. to the greater sum of the story. It was just very forced. I don't see why they just didn't take what was already there and just embellish between the lines. Because after they got through that first initial thing with Batgirl, it was just like panel for panel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, on I screen. Think, now, I will say this two things. I am a, obviously, I'm a big Alan Moore fan. So watching the movie, I was very disappointed. Um, once it got to the halfway mark, it was a pretty faithful adaptation. But I, I think in my mind what they were doing was they were making that first half about Batgirl um, so that when she actually gets uh, shot by the Joker, we it's not so, like, random and we're supposed to, like, care about her. Because in the book, I think it comes off as, like, totally random. But I think that's the point of the whole thing is that, like, this just happens to somebody because they're there, you know? Yeah, so, that's, like, his whole angle. Yeah. Right? You diminish totally that. Awesome. And then having her and Batman have sex on the roof like that. It was a bit much. It was a bit cringy. That's like... For me. My God, it's like... In my mind, fan service is like relegated to Japanese animation almost exclusively. (laughs) But I I guess we want a piece of that pie here in the West. But I I think it just shows a huge weakness uh, in... Batman. He would never. I just. I He's can't envision like that scenario. Fucking stone when it comes yeah, to his really. morals, his rules, procedure, what has to be done the right way. That he's just going to let his guard down, take his mask and clothes off, and fuck on the roof. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't think so. Well, let's see. I've only got one person I trust uh, in the world of fighting crime, so I guess I'll go ahead and pork his daughter. <laughs> just, <laughs> another another bad decision. <laughs> What was it? Uh, one of those Batman games kind of touched on that, actually. Gordon found uh, Commissioner Gordon found out that his daughter had been is Batgirl and running around with him, and then he like got all pissy and set set the police on him. I can't believe I befriended you, you know. <laughs> 
a very measured, careful response to the situation. Right, right, right. Not right. a total misstep or anything like that. <laughs> oh, Lord. oh man. So what else we got? What else, Alan Moore? I mean, there's the Watchmen, obviously. Uh, I would. Oh, go I ahead. have a whole collection of stuff that people have probably never read, but I will say that uh, in terms of influence on me and what I think is maybe his most maybe I, I'm going to say personally best because it's what I like the best but his Swamp Thing I don't know if you guys mm. have read that oh yeah I haven't ever read Swamp Thing I used to watch it back in the day when I was young it was oh, on it's, TV it's quite different than any TV show <laughs> um, I never saw the cartoon I saw the movie it's not it's not on the same level as the movie there was a cartoon wasn't there yeah it was like uh, okay 90, 91 I thought maybe I was confusing it with something else. Yeah, I was real young. When You're thinking of Spider-Man, Joe. <laughs> Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Okay, gotcha. I can see how you get that confused. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jordan. Uh, I was just his work on uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing, which he took over for um, after Len Wayne. Uh, rest in peace, by the way. He just died last week, I think it was. Oh no kidding. Yeah, he created Swamp Thing. He just died last week, so he took over oh, wow. for Len Wayne because uh, oh, I'm sorry. What? I was just simply reacting. I said, oh, oh wow. I thought you said how, and I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> no, I said, oh, wow. Um, well, when people get old enough, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a talk. <laughs> <laughs> so he took over for Swamp Thing and kind of reinvented it, and that was like the first book that I read where I was really like, wow, this is the most unique, different thing. And I'd already read Watchmen at the time, but this was like, wow, within the mainstream DC universe, this was getting you know published. And it really changed. And honestly, it's a huge reason why I actually jumped into making comics. Because I, re- I just remember reading some of the panels and being like, wow, this is possible. And all things are possible. And I can do this. Right. I think I might have some old Swamp Thing uh, comic books somewhere. It would be worth busting them out. I'll have to dig around. Wasn't there... A, there was another uh, comic that had... Uh, a monster that looked very similar to Swamp Thing. Maybe it was on Marvel. Like yes, the... I believe you're thinking of Man Thing. The Man Thing. Man Thing. <laughs> yes, I've got some of those comics. You know, too. that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it makes its triumphant return <laughs> yeah, to the show. It's been several episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting for the right moment. There it is, Lordy. An interesting piece about uh, an interesting piece of trivia. If you ever want to like. So, uh, you know, like impress your friend. Well, impress is kind of a strong word, but if you ever uh, want to seal the deal with that special lady, yeah. if you're ever trying to, yeah, if you're trying to make it with a lady, uh, Man Thing was actually created by the same guy who made Howard the Duck. Um, and I think him and Len Wayne were roommates or something. So there's always this controversy of like, oh, geez. stole the idea. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. I think that's the case, but now they're both dead. So I guess. <laughs> yeah. The, the secret is lost. Like, and, you know, on the subject of Swamp Thing, I think it, it, it's a really good, it really illustrates Alan Moore's, like, gift of humanizing the yeah. inhuman, you know, making relatable, totally mm-hmm. bizarre things. The fact that you feel for Swamp Thing, that there's an emotional connection you can make with this sentient lump of vegetable matter. You know, <laughs> the same thing I think of with, like, Dr. Manhattan. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just like he's so far removed from the human condition, and that somehow makes his human flaws even more poignant. It just kind of irks me that he always has to temper that with making the, you know, super blue-glowing radioactive deity and or swamp monster get with an improbably beautiful young woman. Yeah. Right. It's like the one thing—I feel like there's this 
animal part of him that he just can't escape. It's just he'll be writing something incredible, and they're like, yeah, yeah, and then he leaves his wife, and he gets with this hot 18-something. <laughs> then Megan Fox is there, she takes off the shirt. <laughs> oh my god, so good! It's just, I don't know, it's weird. It's always so jarring to me, the way that happens. I don't know, that's a But tangent. what's the alternative? What would you rather see? I don't see... Oh god, all of my favorite pieces of fiction are cold and sterile and heartless and all interactions and relationships break down. I don't know. I'm just This is true. The the girl you'd probably rather see would have like three breasts, spikes for nipples, oh, yeah. her I lips mean... ripped from her mouth. Like Dude, if there's if there's the a most human horrid being, thing you'd ever seen. I know who fetishizes misery <laughs> and just the degradation of the of the human spirit. That's me. That's what I just adore most in the things I read. So it would have to be grotesque because to me relations are grotesque on, on every level interacting mm-hmm. with other people there's an element it's the discomfort and the pain now we're getting too psychological with this shit. no i agree with you I, I, i've got some of those thoughts myself yeah, for sure, i just I, I like it when it's brought forth and it's just like here it is you know mm-hmm. it's like this is what lust looks like you know it's just something raw like that i guess that's the appeal for me sure Good, good. I'm glad I was able to. <laughs> I just, I give just lost my silence. train of thought. I I was, lost my... Yeah, I'm, I'm booking an appointment with my therapist after all that. Um, oh, good. Well, I'm sorry. glad I. <laughs> I remember. It's okay I to ask for help, George. <laughs> I mean, I totally see what you're saying about the girl because I you see it in television too. Like, there's no way he would be with her or she'd take interest in yeah, him or whatever. Like you're a but huge loser. You're not going to get with the hottest chick in the amusement park, Jesse Eisenberg. The old bullshit. <laughs> it was poorly written. Right. But the alternative is what? Like, going to the county fair and picking out a sweetheart? I know. <laughs> it's, it's, I will say this about Swamp Thing. Dr. Manhattan, yeah, I, I get that one a little more. But with Swamp Thing, um, there are some scenes where... They like eat this. It's kind of like it's, it's the like plant, right? It's, yeah, yeah. It's like a hallucinogenic growth. Yeah, it's like basically like a sweet potato that they like <laughs> trip balls on, and then they're like in love. So it's weird. Swamp it's a lot thing? less physical and swamp thing. I mean, that's how I plan on reproducing. Yeah, yes. trick them with homegrown drugs. Swamp Thing ever offers you like a tasty roast yam or something? It's he's take got up plans. On, take him up on that or no? no? Pass, no. pass. Okay. Unless you want to be his chemical bride, <laughs> which is the name of my new band, The Chemical. I've lived Brides. worse lives, my Trademark. friend. I've lived worse <laughs> lives. How about V for Vendetta? Oh man, V for Vendetta. I read that was when I was in college, which is like prime time to read that book. That's one of my top five of his for sure. I've never read it, but I've seen the movie several times. Absolutely I think that's adore. a movie that got the spirit of the comic. Yeah. Did it really? Yeah. My next question to uh, whoever had read it was going to be how varying is the book from the movie. You wouldn't want to compare are. them like story-wise or how they tackle certain elements, but it, it certainly gets where it's coming from. And Hugo Weaving, I mean, come on. It's nice because, I mean, some of the things they do in the movie, obviously they don't in the book, and there's some... Plot points that I'm like, eh. But, like, being such a huge fan of it, um, I still watch that movie quite often. So I think it did a well enough job that... Because, like, there's some movie adaptations I'm like, okay, I refuse to watch this. But, you know, that one I still look forward to watching. So I think it did fine enough. I mean, at least they didn't take his mask off, so... Yeah, that's true. They didn't in the comic either? No. Speaking of that mask, was that Guy Fawkes mask... Guy Fawkes, yeah like first debuted in that or was that mask already a thing before 
V for Vendetta came to be? Do you guys know? Hmm, that's, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I would think that it was... Because it's so iconic now, you yeah. know, like Anonymous has it as their kind of... their. I, I'm going to go ahead and say I believe it started with the comic and then the movie and that scene where everyone marches on them, you know, yeah. with the masks. I think that's what gave rise to that particular design. Because Guy Fox was a real person, yeah. correct? Yeah. So yeah. I'm curious about that mask because if... Frank Moore, Frank Moore, Jesus Christ, I'm <laughs> mixing Alan Moore and Frank Miller. If Alan Moore did create that, I mean, that's a, you know, far beyond just writing a great story and made it into a movie. He's making a cultural symbol yeah, that absolutely. people have taken onto their own organization. That's incredible. It's I like hope he the, doesn't hear me say that because his head and beard will get bigger. <laughs> yeah. It'll start, like, pulsing and reaching out with the little hair. <laughs> Tentacles and shit. <laughs> Drawn in, like, birds and shit. Gets a little stronger every time. It's okay. You're part no. of the Allenverse now. <laughs> I want to uh, throw something out there. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just looking at my bookshelf and thinking about all the books that I own. Because it's, like, my personal mission to own all Alan Moore books by the time I die. So. Well, best of luck to you. You better hope he dies first. Or you're oh, well, be you know, I don't actually think he's going to die. You know, probably not. That's a good point. All those uh, spells and rings. bodies or yeah. something. Come on, they got to do something, right? <laughs> you would think. Whatever your opinions of the Watchmen movie are, mm-hmm. I always come back to this point. It gave us the best Watchmen music video of all time. That opening sequence... You know, come get it. Oh, the Bob Dylan song. That was a masterful touch. And I swear to God, if the movie had just stopped after that. (laughs) It was a gorgeous film. Oh, sure. Like, I didn't... And that was my introduction to The Watchmen, was the film. Hmm. Because I... Growing up, I was going through, like, these long hiatus breaks through comics where I'd be super into them. Something would happen in one of the series I was reading, and I'd get this interest. Walk away for five years and come back. (laughs) And I caught... uh, Kind of like me and my children. (laughs) (laughs) There was a video store in the neighborhood going out of business, and they were selling all their movies for a buck. I picked it up. I went home, and I was like, oh, my God, this was fantastic, you know? And um, that one, I then... I went and got the book. I didn't buy it. I got it to the library. But just going through scene by scene, trying to find what's you know different from the movie, yeah. what's the same. It's just such a great story. I dig it. It's. I, I love the. You're gonna have the to fix this in post. <laughs> yes, thank you. Because yeah. I'm trying to, but I'm trying to find the way to put it into words. It's like my favorite kind of character is the son of a bitch who's right. And that makes him mm-hmm. even worse. You know what I mean? It's like the person whose intentions are good, but only possible course of action is deeply evil. Right. But you can't, you know, like like Dr. Manhattan says, without condoning, condoning or condemning, I understand. You know, right. I love that character that forces you to feel for them in spite of their own motivations or actions. Because what's the alternative? Yeah. You know, I, like nuclear annihilation. Is that better? You know? Hmm. <laughs> I think stuff like that has been done before, just not anywhere near to yeah. that magnitude. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel know. like I've seen that kind of stuff in the X-Men, and they could just oh, be sure. copying what they've done. Um, and maybe there's some of those kind of examples beforehand. But again, nothing. Just did it right. Oh, perfectly. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, this is kind of unrelated to the whole anti-hero discussion. But I remember reading that when I was in high school. Being like, oh man, this is incredible. You know, it just like changed me from that point on. And I gave it to my sister and I was like, you need to read this uh, now. 
and she got like halfway through and I remember her calling me up a little while ago. She's like, I'm not feeling great today. I'm like, what? What's wrong? And she's like, just it's Rorschach. He's right. Rorschach is right. I'm like, no, stop. Okay, stop it. <laughs> Do not buy into Rorschach's logic, please. You know what? Just, so that is a better reaction because when I, I've had a couple people that I've like, you, you've got to read this. This is just the best, you know? And I had one guy, one roommate in college who read, like, the first issue, got to the part where it's, like, prose, like, newspaper clippings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they go, do I have to read this? And I was like, like yeah, you're yeah. goddamn and right. he's like, no, I don't want to read this then. And, like, folded the book and just left it. And then I had another person I actually lent my copy to, like, a year ago, and I just never have seen it since, so... At least they felt something. These people, so they liked it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think they ever read it. I think they just okay, and then never touched it. Probably. You you have to read everything. Yeah, cover to cover. I tell you what, if you find a person that says they love Watchmen, gushes on about it, and they don't get chills when you use the phrase "True Blood" from the shoulder of Palace, they're fake. They did not read Watchmen. <laughs> they took the coward's way out and skipped all the clippings. Yeah. Mm. Carrying on, but you know, listening to all these stories, you know, all these staples of the comic community that Alan Moore has created. Uh, growing up, you know, I, I was into guitar. Uh, growing up, playing guitar. When you're getting into music and stuff, there's always the greats that you hit first before you start going and finding your own sound. Yeah. You know, you yeah. start listening to Led Zeppelin. You start uh, listening to ACDC. You know, those classic rock. Uh, powerhouses. The foundation. You know? Right. And i that's really like what Frank Miller and Alan Moore, uh, Mark Millar, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that's what those kind of guys are to the comic world. When you're getting into it for the first time and you want to find something that really just kind of defines the whole genre. It kind of puts you on the path the genre. that works exactly. for you. Yeah. Those are the yeah, books that makes to go sense. to. I like that. I agree. So. They're almost elemental, you know? Yeah. They're yeah. like how can you understand this other stuff? The purest component. You and then you, yeah, yeah. Right. That's a good way to put it. I like that a lot. Right. It's funny, too, because I, I have to imagine that Frank Miller and Alan Moore actually hate each other. They were so big at the same time. And um, they both – I've read some stuff about more recent times where um, they're very clearly – like Alan Moore is like a very uh, – much more of a liberal guy, I think, whereas, Al, uh, whereas Frank Miller is kind of the opposite. I don't actually – I don't want to derail this conversation, but if you guys ever get the time, check out a book by Frank Miller called Holy Terror. Yeah, that is bizarre. I've never it's heard not, of that. Oh, it's quite bad. It, it's a, it's it, frustrating. <laughs> it started off as a Batman story, but then I think DC was kind of like, oh, we don't want Batman associated with this because it's basically about <laughs> – I think it was Frank Miller's reaction to 9-11 basically, but it came out like seven or eight years later, so he just looked crazy by then. If you go to a library, don't don't buy this book. It's not worth money. Just go read it <laughs> at a library, and you'll be like, what? So they, those two have never – I'm sorry, I, just to snap back, because something you said yeah, yeah. just about how Frank uh, Miller and Alan Moore are, are feuding. I was thinking like somewhere I had seen that they had their names both on the same project, but I just Googled it really quick. And like the first 20 is like Alan Moore versus Frank Miller. Dispute, oh, dispute over this. Dispute over the Joker. Yeah. I was like, wow. I had no oh, idea. It makes sense. Oh, yeah. They're, but, uh, I'd say they're on opposite ends of a, of a spectrum yeah. of sorts. And I tell you what, man, holy terror. You're right. It's, it's, a, it's like what it, imagine... <laughs> 
to me, it's like what's going on in a hyper conservative's mind while yeah. he's jerking off at the exact <laughs> point of orgasm. It's like what's the flash of imagery? You're like, oh, holy terror! That's How can I not go when I read it after that? To You've got to at least like, check it out. Wow, but man, it is bizarre. It's I think it's I will. Aptly named, it is a holy terror. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh boy. Awesome. I mean, I'll say this though. To be fair. Alan Moore is my favorite writer, but he's also written one of the worst stories I've ever read. Really? So I can't put down Frank Miller too bad. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was in the '90s. It was a Spawn Wildcats crossover. Oh wow, oh, boy! <laughs> think, yeah, and and the thing is, and I know since I've read after this, he basically was like, yeah, I just wanted a paycheck. But there's a <laughs> Alan lot Moore got to eat out to me. And, and Spawn calls one of the Wildcats a Teenage Mutant Ninja slut. Oh, my God. And I was like, this is the man who's crafted prose that, like, Swamp Thing and Killing Joke and Watchmen and From Hell and a Teenage Mutant Ninja slut, so. This is pagan Shakespeare. What's yeah. he doing saying shit like this? Oh, wow. boy. Also there, I guess. Magic. Yeah. They can't all be masterpieces. He did do some stuff for Spawn that was really cool, though, but I won't take us up. We've already hit oil. I don't think we need to keep digging on this. That'd be another good retro to do, though, Spawn. Spawn? Yeah, there's a whole I mean, I don't know if I've got enough to say to fill the whole thing, but between the three of us... Well, I can just bullshit for, like, 20 minutes straight. Just say shit that's not true, make it sound good. You can just talk about Spawn movie for 20 minutes. Oh, boy. Do you want 20 minutes of three to four people vomiting continuously? Yeah. You know what needs to spawn. Sean Mike Wazama. Right here. What's that? T-shirts. You're right. We need a pile of Candare T-shirts to spawn right here. So Just we can... spawn is dependent on his necrodermis. No, that's a Warhammer term. Necrodermis. What is it? It's the necroplasm <laughs> suit. Right. You can have your own second skin of godlike power mm-hmm. if you just buy a t-shirt from society6.com forward slash candarepod. It's that simple, folks. Power. At the end of your fingertips, all you have to do is press the right buttons on your computer or keypad or on your telephone. It can be done there, too. And I can you. neither confirm nor deny rumors that these t-shirts can transmute into a wicked array of blades to impale your enemies with. Mm-hmm. That might just be Spawn's angle. But um, you can at least buy one and try it. Some of the colors will attract the opposite sex. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're lonely... that's There's a thought. There you go. Now, there are also colors that will repel... The opposite sex. I'm not going to tell you we which one. You just got to buy them and <laughs> figure it out for yourself. So try our new grab bag feature where you can buy up to six and save a dollar on each. <laughs> That's <laughs> the grab real, bag feature. You buy the right shirt, you're going to get your bag grabbed. Yeah, <laughs> That's a canned air guarantee. <laughs> not, your bag will not be grabbed by canned air. <laughs> Yes, that's an important disclaimer. Candare society does not assume liability six. for Society6.com forward slash CandarePod. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a mug. Buy a clock. Buy shower curtains. Please, somebody's got to buy those Hell not, right? With that, let's just open the door to the comic vault. Yeah. You want to go first this week, Jay? May I? Because I'm super jazzed about this one, especially since it's a collection of short stories, and I can give you, like, the first in the sequence. Okay. It's, like, just the right amount of info. This is Hellraiser Masterpieces, part one, a series of short fictions from the Hellraiser setting. Uh, Huge Clive Barker fan. Love the movie Hellraiser, obviously. Um, So this was an instant buy for me as soon Mm -hmm. as I saw it. Also, uh, someone working on the project, a little, little guy by the name of Bernie Wrightson. I don't Ooh. know if that's important for anybody here in this conversation. <laughs> but, you know, just a thought. He might be a nobody. What, what do I know? 
But yeah, Bernie Wrightson worked on this first one called The Warm Red, which I was so jazzed about because it did my favorite thing in the entire fucking world, (laughs) where you take an established fictional setting that's like rich with lore and detail, and you allude to it without diving in headfirst. It's like Hellraiser... Let's take the movie, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's not a subtle film. Right. This right. is not like a slow burn psychological horror. <laughs> so it's it's something that's very overt and in your face and revolting. And that's the point. Right. right. Because that's, it's the ultimate in sensation. It's sensory overload. That's the concept behind the Cenobites, behind this Hellraiser, Hellraiser universe. In this story, we have something that like skirts the edges of that Hellraiser world. And it's just, oh, it's, just, no, 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 no. it's <laughs> delicious. I just love it. So it starts out with this woman who's obviously a very high powered someone who's cutting a deal with this guy, all very under the table. She can get a lot of really good land for really cheap. She's just got, got to buy it under this country bumpkin. And uh, it's, it's never stated outright, but they said, all right, Anaheim, Orlando, this is going to dwarf the two of those combined. So they're scoping out a third Disney park. Oh, wow. You know, so it's like, it's a big deal. She's just got to convince this one guy who technically owns it to sell to her. So she finds this dude who's living secluded in his cabin, and he seems off. He's clearly bizarre. She walks in. She says, hi, my name is such and such. And before you tell me to leave your property, uh, I just wanted to tell you, you haven't brought any head of cattle to market. Uh, Your crops yield nothing this season. And you're sitting on some reasonably valuable land. I could probably, you know, get you five, six hundred thousand dollars all told for the house and the land it's on. He's like, oh, wow, that's a lot of money. He's like, yeah, yeah. But I tell you what. That's all contingent on whether we can find the right seller or speak to the right people. What if I just buy it from you right now for 400000 And the whole time she's pitching him this, she's fiddling with this uh, black and gold plated cube he just uh, happens to have on his mantle. Uh-oh. And you're like, hmm, better put that down, right? And he's having these bizarre flashbacks where it's just like, her skin's so pretty, soft and white. It needs color, a warm a warm dash of red, and he's having these weird little asides in his head where he imagines himself slicing her up with a scalpel. Hi, welcome to Hellraiser. And uh, she decides that in order to give this guy the shove into sell me your land right now town, she has to seduce him, which she does, not realizing he's this um, Norman Bates kind of weirdo where any sexuality triggers the murder reflex in his brain. (laughs) So he drugs her, knocks her out, ties her to a bed, completes the lament configuration, and summons a Cenobite called Face with whom he has some kind of accord and says, here she is, your next victim. Sorry it took so long. (laughs) I don't get a lot of visitors. You know, it's this weird thing. (laughs) And it goes on and on, and it's cool, and he's about to carve her up, you know, standard Hellraiser fare. But she says, look, hey, you face right the guy with the face mind you he's like flayed he has no skin but has a human face or the remains of one stapled to his head beautiful oh my god it's just this is my (laughs) this is what i'm all about she says look this guy that you have bringing you sacrifices he's nobody he's a loser he's nothing me i can help you i've got connections i've got ideas i've got plans i say you let me go you get rid of this guy and uh, I'll bring you two, three, four, five times what he can bring you in a year, in a week. And he thinks to himself, yeah, yeah, no, this is a decent deal. Mm-hmm. So she swaps places with the guy and he says, you want to prove your loyalty to this arrangement? I'm going to need you to go ahead and slice up our friend Brian here. 
So he reverses their roles, and the whole, like, the final few panels are her holding up this baroque, serrated knife, tapping it against her cheek, thinking, where am I going to start? And the last line is face with this little internal monologue, and he's like, she's meticulous, calculating. The hardest part is always deciding where you're going to begin the first incision. It's good that she's so ruthless already. I think we'll have a good relationship. And it ends, and you're like, oh my god. It's, like, just enough, but it's not too much. Ugh. I know. I usually don't go on and on and on about it. No, this it was long, good. I was hanging on your every word, dude. I love it. I love so this it. is a series you're probably going to be still. Oh yeah, and I've got like... four more stories just in this one issue. Ooh. I bought, so it's going to be a fine evening. <laughs> Very good. I didn't have a lot of friends before, but I'm getting better. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> I'm almost is that a human. New ongoing story. Like this is ongoing comic. No, this is old news. Okay. As far as I know, oh, and I, I think it was the one red was more of a one-off. Okay. It didn't go anywhere after that, which I, I'm glad it didn't. Oh, okay. It sounded like it was the like issue one that no, was going it's, to like, it's seal this new relationship yeah. with this girl or whatever. Just the idea that you've got this woman in league with the Cenobites who's in charge of erecting a new Disney world. Oh, my God. Mm. What a fantastic... It's just... Oh, it's beautiful. I'll, I'll let you have the floor now. I've taken too much time. <laughs> Jordan, would you like to go next? Sure. Um, let's see. I got I got a couple things I could talk about. Uh, literally, right before you called me, I just finished um, a volume of BPRD. Oh, nice. It was the uh, oh, yeah. Hell on Earth. So I'm on volume one of Hell on Earth. I just finished that, which is called New World. Um, I'm in this, like, God, I feel like it's been ugh, probably like a year where I'm trying to read all of the Hellboy Universe stuff. And I'm only That's like a daunting task. Yeah. <laughs> I've read like 30 books and I'm only like halfway there. Ooh. Uh, it's ridiculous. And it's cool because the BPRD and the Hellboy stuff are separate and they're so different. Hellboy is like a lot of mythology. I don't know if you guys have read Hellboy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've read some. It's so much mythology and so just bonkers. Whereas BPRD is more of like a, an action sci-fi horror kind of thing. Right. And I'm just so horny for both. It's like two great tastes. The they, taste great together. Yeah, they both have different feels, but they're both uh, great feels. Yeah. Um, what's nice about the new world that I just read is such a good, like it opened up and I was like, it's just such a classically horror movie kind of feeling to it. It opens up with this girl talking to a sheriff about her dad disappearing and then the sheriff trying to re, you know reckon or um, to make her feel better and he walks out of the laundromat and she follows him she's like i forgot to tell you something and he's gone too and i was like oh this is going to be spooky so it's it's really cool feeling um and it's got a lot of monster fighting and it's just cool it's a lot of fan service in there because you get some characters that missed like disappeared so yeah, if you guys are into, uh, which I know, obviously, you're into horror, Jake. I don't know about <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I, I like some myself, again. but not like my guy here. I mean, he yeah, lives, like breathes it. It's in it's his veins. A lot more tame. So, you know, but it is part of the mythos. So you kind of have to read a lot to get there. Oh, sure. You know? The other thing I'm reading, which is like the exact opposite, is I got from the library a 700 page, and I, I don't ever use the word tome. <laughs> well then you don't use it often enough but I'm about That's... to use the word I got a 700 page tome of Doonesbury which is the exact Aww, opposite yeah. <laughs> which is you know which is really a good party conversation I think so I didn't mean to order I thought it was just like a non-fiction book that was like a retrospective right 
but it was 700 pages long. So I'm like, guess what? Yeah, I'm in now. You got it. (laughs) That's great. I'm trying to decide as I'm reading. I'm about 200 pages in. I'm trying to decide if I'm sophisticated enough to read Doonesbury. I don't know yet. Are you cool, but also like aloof enough in the right proportions to get it? Um, I don't know if I've ever read it personally. I'm aloof, but I don't know if I'm cool. Because I'm reading Doonesbury. It's kind of a catch-22. See, one without the other. Yin and yang. The thing is, I was reading the intro to this book. I don't know. Do you know what Doonesbury is? I think I do. I'm looking it up as we speak. It's it's a comic strip that's been published daily in the in the newspaper. But it's is like it the very, one under the? I'm thinking of Sherman's Lagoon. Yeah, this one is like that's very the one political. with the fish. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot of politics and and satire in it. Um, and it's been and the creator uh, Gary Trudeau has gotten a lot of flack over the years from different people. Um, I was reading the intro and it's like 700 pages and I was like, well, this must be like. The entirety of Doonesbury, I guess. And then his intro said that it was only 13% of the published <laughs> material. Jesus. Yeah. I, I I can't even fathom doing that much work. But it's it's like, I think it's an acquired taste. I read last year, and I don't want to get too political, but last year I read a collection of Doonesbury strips that were all about Donald Trump. Because apparently this guy has been following his career since – Donald Trump's career since like 1985. So that's where I was kind of first exposed seriously to it. Saved up a fair amount of venom in that time, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Man, 13%, and that's yeah. 700. You've got to be careful. He's, like, approaching that critical, what I like to call the Patterson threshold. Oh, yeah. Like, you churn out six books a day. They can't all be good, right? I well, mean, so, I mean, he's been writing this strip daily since, like, 1975 or something, sometime in the late 70s. So it's like daily, so it really adds up. <laughs> I do remember this comic. I just found it online. Oh, and there's the Donald Trump stuff. Yeah. It's wow. not everyone's cup of tea, so I don't have too much to say about it, but it's pretty cool because it's like 40 years worth of history. So yeah, you like got to respect something yeah. like that enduring, you know? It's it's categorizing and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's like a window into the times, you know. It's like a time capsule in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That the works. Political climate of whatever mm-hmm. day, I guess. Yeah. Encapsulating what was uh, big then, and yeah. you know, if you listen to it in its entirety, listen to a piece of history. You yeah, know what I mean, can't beat that. I'm not saying what I want to say the right way, so but I'm just going to give up. You're it the right way. This guy right yeah, here. See, look at him. Silver lining. That's making a guy me. feel good over here. <laughs> All right. Well, what I've got was uh, the last few weeks in the comic vault, I've talked about uh, number ones that were reissued, uh, done by Jack Kirby. Well, they also did reissued some number ones that weren't Jack Kirby's, just like famous number ones. So, so I picked up Wolverine, number one, because I have never looked at it. That iconic image. Okay, why yeah. come over here, Bob? So I was like rubbing my hands together. I was like, this is going to be a good read. I have no idea what to expect. And two pages in, I know exactly what to expect. <laughs> oh, because you've seen the Wolverine movie where he goes to Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's this book. Oh, no kidding. Pretty much, yes. Um, there are some differences. Man, this is actually working pretty well, uh, what we were talking about earlier, the differences yeah, yeah. between the movie and the comic. Yeah. Starts out with him finding that bear, you know, uh, being hit with a poison dart, finding the hunter in the bar, where in the movie he you know, puts an arrow in his hand and yeah. gets aggressive. The guy hits him in the face with a beer bottle, and he just kind of leaves. Oh, yeah. He doesn't do much about it, you know, but... 
He then says he's going back to Japan to uh, find Mariko, the love of his life. So that relationship had already been established prior to this number one, where in the comics, or excuse me, in the movie, I don't believe it was. I believe he went to Japan and then fell for her. But uh, he tries to call her, saying that he's coming back to Japan, wants to get married, and finds out that she can't. Because she is already married in an arranged marriage. It's weird. Her father was missing, and with the father missing, there were no family rules binding her to any suitor or anything. She was in love with Logan. They were going to be together. But after this guy thought dead, came back and reclaimed his throne to the this, this uh, fortune. I mean, they're like royalty in Japan. Then uh, he arranged her marriage. So Logan's all pissed off, puts on his Wolverine outfit for some reason <laughs> to talk to her. <laughs> uh, impressive. Man. But he finds her finally, so many people trying to keep him away, and finds her beaten and battered by her new husband that was arranged, and keeps trying to talk her out of it to come you know, leave the country with him and she's like, I can't do it. It's just dishonorable. Well, in the height of this conversation, Lord uh, Shingen makes his uh, presence known and wants to fight Wolverine with swords. And I keep waiting for the Silver Samurai to poke up in here. He never does. Maybe a few issues down the line he does. But um, I don't know. The one thing that stuck with me is like, we're going to fight with swords, but not real swords, just these wooden ones. And Wolverine, I think, says something to the effect like, what, you know... Are you too afraid to play with real swords? He goes, no. He's like, you're not worth a real sword. Oh, wow. So it's kind of set up to look like it's, since it's wooden swords, practice swords, they're just kind of jarring to see who, you know, who wins rather than a fight to the death. Well, the blows that this dude keeps making on Logan, like right at the neck and shoulder where they meet, uh, one right in the center of the chest, he can tell that he's making blows to him, that he is indeed trying to kill him. Huh. So Wolverine then, I don't think so, Bob. You know, draw, <laughs> brings his claws out, but then soon realizes that he can't do this because anything he does, if he kills this guy, anything he does around him is going to affect her. Yeah. It's going to come down on her. So he just brings his claws in. Shurikens hit him in the neck with poison on him that knock him out, and he wakes up in an alley somewhere and just kind of puts the past, you know, it has, it has to be what it is. Which is very, again, different from the movie. Um, every, there was a nice happy ending to that movie, and not the case here. So. <laughs> they didn't wrap it up with a bow on this one. No. Wolverine number one. Cool. And with that behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to Jordan and talk about Hot Cakes Comics. Thanks for being with us, Jordan. All right. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I run um, sort of a, I don't know if I kind of hesitate to call it like a company because it's mostly just me. But uh, companies are. Yeah, that's that's how they start. Um, right. I uh, I've been making comics for about two years now. Um, it's coming up on the two year mark. Um, I do. It's it's interesting because you know we did talk about Alan Moore this episode and and I started just writing the scripts because I was so influenced by Alan Moore. In fact, I'm pretty sure the first script I ever wrote was like basically something Alan like not. I'm not saying like the level he wrote. I don't know. Have you guys ever seen an Alan Moore script? No, I don't believe I have. Okay, they are like heavy, heavy word count, man. Like he puts so much detail, <laughs> and that's probably—I mean—that's what sets his stuff apart a little bit—is—is is how much detail. If you guys ever get the chance, look up some of his scripts. I think the first page, you know, the fr- okay, so uh, the first page of Killing Joke, you remember those? It's just like that rain and the puddles of rain. Yeah, yeah. That 
page alone was like a couple pages of writing. And all he wow. was, yeah. Well, and he was talking about the story, like the setting and the feel of the story and stuff. But I have an excerpt of it from somewhere in a book about him. And so I would write these scripts that were just so long because I was trying to be Alan Moore, you know. <laughs> and now when I work with an artist, I'm pretty sure they hate that because it's like they have to read <laughs> so much. Right. Maybe, but there's. I mean, something can be said for attention to detail. When you've Look got back a over history. Vision. Yeah. All right, let's go back to that Walt Disney reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Attention to detail. It does matter. Well, everybody says, like, they love working with Alan Moore, but I was like, I don't know if they love working with me that much yet, so i got to kind of cool it. I don't think there's anything wrong with no. <laughs> what you're doing. Uh, again, attention to the detail. Yeah. The details that people probably aren't even consciously noticing, but subconsciously it's sinking in. That stuff definitely matters. Yeah, I mean, so. like, what's the difference between something good and something great? It's about a thousand tiny details that are invisible on their own mm-hmm. that add up to make the difference. And you know, on that note, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, that's one of the things that's interesting about uh, writing and, and making comics is when you make them and when you write the script and you're getting, there's so much that you know and you put into it that they're never going to see. Um, for the longest time when I started out, everybody I knew, they were just like, I don't really understand what that means when you say, like, you write comics. Because when you think of comics, the only words you really see are the bubbles. Um, but there's right. so much in those scripts that go into them that you tell the artist or that you tell yourself in order to, to convey the right look or the right feeling or the right color that they're never going to see. So I don't know. That's always really been really been an interesting part for me is just the night. It's I don't know. There's no cliche. I, I can't think of anything but the cliche of the iceberg where you only see 10 percent, you know. <laughs> right. I've, I've never written a uh, comic or a script or anything, but I, I would imagine that a, a script for a comic or a graphic novel would be more of a like a script to a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, kind of a screenwriting sort of format. Yeah, it is. It's a lot like that. That's what I tell people when I try to um, give them examples. It's a lot like that, except for you have to. And part of the reason you have to put that detail in there is because you don't get you don't get the benefit of movement or sound. Not that I think it's any easier one way or the other, but when you're writing a movie, you can kind of say, like, you can say less because the person's going to be doing more in the scene. Where it comes right. to a panel, you can only write that thing, that person doing one thing because they can't move. So there are differences, but it is set up very similar to uh, writing a, a, a script for a movie or a TV show. That would be so much fun to do. Just sit and write a script. I just wish oh, I could yeah. write. <laughs> <laughs> I tried my hand at screenwriting for a little while. Did there. you? Yeah, yeah. Made some submissions. Really? Did not win a couple of contests I entered. Just because you didn't win doesn't mean you didn't make something good. Uh, tell that to my depression, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, come on, man. No, do you still have any of these films? I do, yeah. I've got a few. Really? I've got a little cyberpunk thing called Eulogy in Green. I'm not trying to steal the spotlight, though. Wow. <laughs> tell us about yourself, Jake. <laughs> well, let me uh, derail this conversation really quick. I had this idea... No, uh, but on that note, here's a bad segue. The name Hotcakes. Yeah. I don't want you to think I've just disregarded everything you said because I'm just plucking this out of nowhere, but I have to know. Yeah. What brought you to this name? Like, I know I obsess over names. Sure. It has to be ideal. It has to be perfect. So I can only imagine mm-hmm. if you put that much detail into your writing, you've got a, a, a pretty concrete reason to run with Hotcakes, and I would love to know it. Sure, and that's actually probably the most common question I get, so um, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, so what happened was, way back when I was in college, there, um, there's this band, this English band, 
and they released an album called Hot Cakes. Oh my God, the darkness! The darkness! The darkness. Yeah, I was just How did I not singing make that, that connection? album today. Ah, living yes. each day blind—that's like the anthem of my life. Yeah, so so I pre-ordered that album, and it came with a T-shirt that said Hotcakes, and I made it my mission to wear that shirt as much as possible. <laughs> so after a while, people started calling me Hotcakes, and it just stuck. And that so is then, so much better than any nickname I've ever had yeah. over the years. It, yeah, I mean, at first I was kind of like, uh, okay. Actually, it got to the point where one time I went to like a sort of reunion, and this professor said, "This is the, f- this is the first time I've ever seen you without a T-shirt that has pancakes on it." And I was like, okay. <laughs> Something I never thought I'd hear anyone say, but here we are. So um, then uh, I was out of school, and I decided I was going to cuz I went to school for for creative writing and I decided you know I read comics all my life I'm going to I'm going to make the comics and I really kicked around uh, the name and I was like man I don't know what to name this and a lot of people said to me you should call it hotcakes because that's what your name is right <laughs> and I said oh I don't I don't want to do that because my my thing was I'm going to be working with other people as well and I don't want to put the spotlight just on me cuz I'm like there's going to be artists that work with me and I don't want to just call this my thing right so what happened was I woke up one day and somebody had drawn me the logo, the one that I use, the pancake right. logo, and I was just like, wow, this looks really good, and you know, you've made this thing for me, and I'm, I'm kind of a big believer in like um, signs and stuff, and that was like a literal sign, you know, so I was just like, well, okay, I think, you know, this is kind of the name found me, and uh, it just kind of stuck. And so now I get a lot of people saying, like, oh, do you really like pancakes that much? And I'm like, I assure you, it's not that simple. I, I actually don't even really like pancakes that much. So <laughs> You ought to just roll with it. It's like, yeah, do you no, like I pancakes should. that much? Yeah, I do. After the, the 10th or 15th time I have to tell it, I'll just be like, yeah, I love pancakes, bro. I love them. I just always have one folded everywhere. in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just pull it out. As a matter of fact, I have one right here, Tripping son. with the syrup. syrup. <laughs> in one pocket and then the syrup in the other. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Contact as I eat. Like flats talking. of butter in his pocket all <laughs> melting and shit. Yeah. Open up your wallet and like in the little folds. <laughs> 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 Some pancakes here. Yeah, so that's how the name came and it stuck. And awesome. It's a really I'd, cool logo, so I just kept it. Yeah, I, I love really that. dig the logo. And the name, uh, I just love that it started with the darkness, man. That was a great yeah, oh. album, and yeah. I'm right. My favorite song off that album was off the deluxe version. I think it was like a bonus track. Like, can't yeah, oh, believe look at the cool not, guy uh, who can afford deluxe versions. <laughs> but Buck Moore, you're not that hard <laughs> up for money, dude. But it was like, I uh, can't believe it's not love we're making. That song oh, yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, that's I was just singing that today. This is so weird. This that's is happening. crazy. All right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, derail on my own excitement there. So no, no, That's all right. It's always great to meet somebody who knows. I always skip over the name of the band because nobody knows who they are. So when you meet somebody who knows it, it's like a really fulfilling experience. Right. And right. to meet no, someone know who mean. knows it and like not just... Um, I believe in a thing yeah. like oh yeah that they have other songs <laughs> yeah it's a rare that's the rarest thing in my life I think is to, to have that happen to me so don't get me wrong I love that album but oh, hotcakes sure. for some I listen to so much more oh, than yeah. the first oh, I think I'm gonna actually go I should say since we're on the subject of this I got to meet them once or twice no actually. what yeah they were in we did like a meet and greet and so this first time I met them I was wearing that shirt and I went up to them and I said now this is true. I did have a dream about them once, and I said I had a dream 
that I, I met you guys and I had to apologize because I wasn't a sexy groupie. <laughs> I said this to them. I said this to them. And the lead singer goes, but you are a sexy groupie. <laughs> a single tear oh rolls down your smiling cheek. My confidence was boosted for about, it's still pretty boosted after that. And that was like two years ago, so... Oh, that is magic. Wow. A single tearful thank yeah. you. That's like, oh, you. Can... How could you not call it Hot Cake Comics after all That's that? That's incredible. I swear, yeah. to, I, have, I have seen the darkness sticker on the back of your car. I can't <laughs> believe I didn't make this connection. Yeah. For those at home, I'm not stalking and we work together. So. <laughs> you know, when I was sitting in that tree outside your window, <laughs> that sticker you've really changed your brushing habits. Pre order that I got the shirt. So. Oh, nice. It's all connected. Yeah, look at that. I'm totally down with that. Interpreting signs and stuff, by the way, because yeah. I do the same thing constantly. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord. Also, just before I take us too far, I'm going to have to go with Love is Only a Feeling is my favorite darkness Ooh, song. Oh, that's a good one. Overall, my favorite I, track. It's hard for me to pick one. Off Hotcakes, it's She's Just a Girl, Eddie, because <laughs> that's just such a timeless concept of being <laughs> right. destroyed emotionally. Uh, overall, Hooray. I don't know. It's hard for me to pick one. Then what's the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday dance yeah, on Friday night? Friday. Oh my Friday god, night. that's probably my all-time favorite dark. Yeah, that's song. a good one. Good times. Good song right there. All right, before we just Let's end up talking about the darkness all fucking day. <laughs> so on your website, again, hotcakescomics.com, it looks like there are uh, two ways people can look at comics. One, there are the free web comics you have on the site there, and then you can also uh, buy full comics, mm-hmm. or a full comic, rather, short stacks that we have sitting here. It, you must keep pretty damn busy. I mean, how often are you putting up these web comics? Because there was a plethora of them. Yeah, so I try – well, first of all, you know, I'm trying to keep busy because uh, with the webcomics because I have scripts out for the short stacks, and I hate just sitting around waiting for those to roll in. So mm-hmm. uh, I put out a new comic every uh, other week, and then in between those comics, I put out a blog about comics. So today I just released one about um, cartooning. Um, so I do a blog – or I do a comic, then a blog, then a comic. And uh, so I put those out um, – Every other Monday, um, and I'm working on a new web comic, but I'm trying to build up a buffer before I put that out. So, um, so yeah, I'm pretty much like drawing and writing and coloring and stuff most of the time. Um, and then I put out scripts for other people to draw. That's why uh, Short Stacks is all full of other people's art because they just have better gotcha. creativity than me. So, one comic that I saw, uh, one web comic that really uh, just made me laugh because it just echoed what we've heard time and time again on this show it was the one called making money in comics oh yeah or <laughs> the first three <laughs> is what you envision which you well i guess what actually happens when you have yeah. like the actual heart and the spirit to make good comics but if you want to make the money it's all in the merchandising merchandising oh, yeah. your uh, your character because it's really a labor of love and unless you yeah. do something like that you know it just well, really uh, rang true I'll tell you. I'll tell you where that one came from. I mean, obviously it's real life, but what set that one off in me was, and I, I'm I don't want to throw any shade at this person because he's powerful, but <laughs> I was at a Meyer and I saw a Garfield plush dog toy, and I was just like, there's literally everything you could think of has had Garfield on it. Um, oh so yeah, is, yeah. There's a running thread in my life where Garfield merchandise kind of haunts me. Um, so I was just thinking about that and I was like, man, that's how you make the real money. So that's where that came from. So no respect or no disrespect to Jim Davis, but I'm just like, man, that is how you do it. 
Jordan's going to be snuffed in his sleep tonight by Jim Davis's people. <laughs> That's right. Talk ill gonna... about Garfield, will you? I'm going to wake up and there's going to be a lasagna in my bed. <laughs> Truth be told, I've got two Garfield mugs downstairs See, in my really... kitchen cabinet. I don't have anything against the merchandising. I was just like, wow, this is really everywhere. Like, I can't think of one thing that hasn't been like decked out with Garfield on it. So it's like it's a smart plan. It just kind of set me off. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm struggling to print like 45 copies of these short stacks. You know, so it's just In a funny meantime, way to yeah. do it. I don't know. It's a funny thing to look at. So. Well, what uh, can our listeners expect uh, here in the near future from Hot Cakes Comics? Sure. Well, I am finally finishing another issue of Short Stacks. It was kind of a cursed production. Um, I had the stories written a long time ago, and it just took forever to get the art done. And then I was getting it colored because I I can do flats, which is just like like flat colors with no rendering. Uh, but I cannot render them and make them look good. And I was like, you know what? I know when I'm beat... I don't want this to look like trash. <laughs> so I sent it off to a guy. He colored three pages pretty quickly and then dropped off the face of the earth. Oh, good. Yeah, so so I had to find another guy. So that one's finally done, and I'm just waiting on a cover, which is actually getting uh, drawn by a guy from England. So this is like a pretty big deal for me. I thought it was kind oh, of nice. Cool. That's uh, awesome, man. Yeah, it's really cool. I met him through Instagram. His name is Stephen Tricky. He's really cool. Really cool guy. And, uh, and so that one's coming out. I'm going to try and get that one out by... Maybe November. It's just I use a printing guy, a small printer in Columbus, so it kind of depends on his schedule. Um, that'll be coming out. I'll probably do another um, auto bio story. I do Beard Comic Book Enthusiast, which is uh, just kind of stories about me and how I got into comics. And they're kind of American. I don't know if you guys ever read American Splendor, but they're kind of like American Splendor-esque. They're very inspired by American Splendor, but they're not as good as. I'll say that. Still working on web comics. And another second web comic, which I'm gonna try and keep a little bit under wraps for now, uh, in case it doesn't Ooh. actually pan out. You know, I don't want juicy to. details. Oh yeah, and so <laughs> that one will be. Can't air exclusive. Yeah, that one I'm trying to get a buffer up. So if if I like, you know, it's a an older title that I'm revamping. So we'll see that in a little bit. And then yeah, those are my big projects right now. I'm really having an uptick of finding artists who really want to work with me, so I imagine that the content that I'm going to be doing will be more, uh, uh, you know, the volume will be higher because, you know, when you're doing it all by yourself, it's just like, man, I got to write this and I got to draw it and I got to color it and then I got to print it and that takes, you know, so long. So I'm, I'm thinking that in the next couple months we're going to see more stuff than usual, um, which is awesome for me, so... Well, that's awesome to hear, man. And congrats to you. It's always uh, exciting to uh, see you know, what you're passionate about start to yeah. fly yeah. and take off. So, And, you know, all of our jokes and digressions and discussions about the darkness aside, yeah. you're doing it, you know? Yeah. And that's I our, mean, that's our favorite thing to see here in the trenches is people who are sticking with it. I always go back to what James, uh, James Rolfe said when we had him yeah, on the show, like yeah. your video game nerd. He goes, you know, the second... You decide you're a filmmaker or a comic artist or a podcast, whatever it is, you're a movie maker. That's what you are. That's what you are. As soon as you I get that, that. money. That is, that is 100% the attitude that everyone should have. You know, if I were to give anybody advice, it's like, you know, we have a motto here at Hot Case Comics. That is, <laughs> <laughs> our motto is fake it till you make it. And there you go. That's what you got to do because I, I know a lot of people who like to do things, but they're like, oh, I, I can't do those seriously or I'm not really X, Y, or Z. Um, and I'm like, no, you are. You know. And it's funny because the blog I wrote today actually addressed 
you know, my hesitance to call myself a cartoonist because I've started, I, like I said, I just, I started writing and now I'm drawing and writing. So, you know, I'm entered that area of cartoonist and it took me a long time to accept that label. But it's like, you know, once you're doing that thing, you might as well call yourself that because then you're going to keep doing it. You know, it's so much easier yeah. to acknowledge it. So. Yeah, and it's exactly true. And um, fake it till you make it. That kind of rings back to the the core concepts of canned air. You know, making yourself look bigger than you are until yeah. you get to that bigger status. I think everybody does that, right? Everybody fakes it. Oh, the most put together personal life. The more a person talks about how ready they were to do something, the more they faked it until they made uh, it. There are people who don't fake it. They just think that putting what their best is out there is good enough, and it's just not. It's just not. <laughs> you get a few of those, too. I can think of some examples, but we're not here to condemn, no. are we? <laughs> but hey, by God, you're a cartoonist, Jeremy. You're a podcaster. I'm an international assassin. We're all the thing that we do, and that's what's important. Get the hell out of my house, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is where we all saw our lives coming to, and we finally made it. So it's. But just... you know, in in a way, kind of, yeah. Yeah. This is what I want to be doing. I mean, this here, like for me, podcasting, never in a million years did I expect it to bloom and blossom into sure. this. This was never supposed to be any more than a few scrotes talking about comics. <laughs> yeah. But you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, that's an excellent point because I, I recently did a, um, I tabled at a, it was more of a craft show, so my, I don't think my key market was there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, that's funny. but the person I was with, she, she was like, you know, it feels kind of weird, like, selling to people you know. And I was like, hey, you got to start somewhere because, like, if, I, if those people who know you don't want to support you, then you're not going to have that base to get yourself off <laughs> the ground. So yeah. you got to start small, and you kind of have to swallow a little bit of pride to, like, really promote yourself. I am shameless with my self-promotion, so I don't even – I'm not even sorry about that in the least. Yeah. Nor should you be. Oh, you got to no. let grandma buy your first dozen cookies first. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So for our listeners at home, if you want to check out Jordan's stuff, head over to hotcakescomics.com. And you're also on uh, Twitter at hotcakescomics. Is there anywhere else people should be checking you out? I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, or sorry, Facebook and Instagram as well as hotcakescomics. Yeah, I think that's it. And then the website, yeah. Got a feeling if you Google hotcakescomics, you're going to get <laughs> a lot of what guy. Jordan's got yeah. here. Yeah, yeah I, as I understand. I I've done it before. It's pretty. I've got, I've got the rain on that one. So that's nice. So if you just Google me, I'll be there too. You lucked out that you were able to go hot cakes comics like on all your social networking, not like yeah. hot underscore cakes one three three four. Yeah, I did get pretty lucky. I don't know. I I would be really surprised if anybody else had the same pattern of words. But I mean, I guess I mean it's possible. Somebody's going to have to change. Given enough time, right? An infinite <laughs> sample size. That's true. Well, Jordan, this has been a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, I love what you got going on here, and I can't wait to look into it more. So uh, I just first want to thank you for being on the show with us today. And uh, two, when you got something new happening, let us know. We'll get you back on to help promote, man. Sure. Uh, I appreciate that. And I really thank you guys for having me on here. It's been a great platform, and I've had a lot of fun. Uh, talking about some stuff that I don't usually get to talk about with normal people that uh, don't care. So, you know. Well, we're hey, not normal here. here. That's, That's the true. impetus for the podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jake, what do we have on the website? Uh, we've got lots of tasty treats on the website, Jeremy. We've got a special guest page full of interesting names and faces. Uh, we've got a contacts page in case you're interested in promoting your work and telling your stories and inspirations. Uh, we also have links to our merchandise, society6.com forward slash candor pod. We've got links to all of our social networking, Instagram, candor 
underscore air Twitter at Canned Air Pod. Uh, ooh, our YouTube page full of fun videos. Mm-hmm. Our special Wizard World promo code Canned Air Pod lowercase no space. I'm sorry, Canned Air lowercase no space for 10% off your tickets. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we also have a very nice uh, sort of astronomical background scheme going on our website, so that's cool. Very soothing if you're into space, stars, yeah. things of that nature. <laughs> Very good, Jake. Very good indeed. And, um, and kept talking. <laughs> another thing Jake had mentioned, if you want to uh, be on the show and feature your work, get promotion at all, all you have to do is send us that email. I will say, though, again, to uh, people who are wanting to come on to promote their Kickstarter, let us know a little bit ahead of time. A little warning. <laughs> yeah, we, we typically stay about a month and a half booked out, so uh, if you're getting a hold of us today that your project launches, uh, chances are we're not going to be able to get you on before it's over. So make sure you uh, hit us up before the project starts. That's just what it's like at the top. It's just what it's like. Yeah, yeah. We're podcasters. <laughs> Big deal, basically. Don't Pretty much. And for the second week in a row now, we are going to be going out on another Star Set song, uh, Satellite. Uh, Star Set being the band. Was that just last week we had on? That it was, yeah. Dustin Bates. Boots? Bates. Bates. We had on Bates. Dustin Bates. Uh, Dusty leads. Boots is his Twitter handle. That's, That's right, <laughs> right. Uh, the, the frontman of uh, Star Set. And, man, he was a lot of fun to have on yeah, the show. Yeah, he was. Strongly recommend people listen to that episode as well but uh, again this is the second week of the residency here on the show we're going out on the song satellite and you can check them out at starsetonline.com and on social media platforms at starset online but i think that's probably going to do it for this week that about covers it so until next time i'm jeremy collie i'm jake runyon and i've been jordan kirian from hotcakes comics thanks for listening everyone darkening sky
you come over here and spray paint your name on the wall but i don't wanna what are you chicken hold on there boys wow it's flint instead of writing your name write candairpodcast.com and help spread the word well that's a great idea now we know and knowing is half the battle gi joe magician of any kind or, uh... <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah i'm pretty thorough god it's like that's the curse of and, and you know what all right so when swamp thing got wood he's really probably it's literal got it's, wood yeah, yeah it's literal god just the that's the comic that made plural <laughs> sorry You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.